Hey, this is Kurt Angle, the greatest wrestler of all time and Olympic gold medalist. And you're listening to the amazing, awesome, incredible Wrestle In Podcast. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Ohio, konnichiwa, konbanwa, and welcome to Noob Japan. This is a Wrestle In Podcast where we explore the world of Japanese pro wrestling, one wrestler at a time, through the lens of an enthusiast and a noob. I am your host, Kieran RH, and I'm playing the role of the noob again for this episode. Uh, joining me as an enthusiast and making probably his 100th appearance on the show, even though we're only in the episode's 20s. Uh, Trent is back at One Up Culture on Twitter. Trent writes for Wrestle In and Monthly Puru Resu and is part of the Ocean Cyclone Show podcast, which drops every month on the Wrestle In network. And he's also part of Into the Wrestleverse alongside me and Libby. Every week over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Wrestle In, you can sign up for just $1 a month. Trent, welcome back. You're basically back home. Thanks for coming on, on the show as always. Yeah, start playing the song I'm Coming Home. Uh, I can't actually remember who sings it. I think it's a P. Diddy song. They did a remix of it, but play that over here. Make it a Patreon exclusive so you don't have to worry about copyright. I think I, I did the math. This is my sixth appearance and fifth as an enthusiast. I had to fill in as a noob for the Katsuhiko Nakajima uh, Noob Japan episode. But yeah, so I am feeling very comfortable in my spot here. Well, given you're back on the show, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that we're, of course, heading back to stardom for this episode. And we're going to be talking all about Trent's favorite wrestler, Jungle Kiona, who mm -hmm. um, Trent loves so much on our Into the Wrestleverse logo. He has Jungle Kiona fa face paint on both of his cheeks. I do. I do. She's been a favorite of mine pretty much since I got into Joshi, uh, spe specifically stardom. That's how I got into Joshi. Uh, so it's been a empowered fan for years now of hers and uh very happy to be telling even more people about her because if someone so much as mentions jungle can be talking about the amazon or anything like that i'm going to find a way to swing jungle counter into the conversation so now i've got a reason to how do you do it when uh guns and roses welcome to the jungle starts playing oh look i just uh continued the song so instead of just stopping at welcome to the jungle for we have fun and games. It's welcome to the jungle, Kiona, for she has fun and games. <laughs> I like it. Uh, we're twice as good as Dave Meltzer's five-star rating system, of course, which is why we have the 10-star noob rating system to see how much our noob uh, knows about the person we're going to be talking about. I'm the noob, so how much do I know about jungle, Kiona? Uh, my friendship with Trent may be ending here because I'm going to give myself a very low... <laughs> A very low free because uh being friends with trent it's impossible to not know something about jungle kiona mm -hmm. um he's talking whenever there's jungle kiona news he's the first to let you know he's written a great column on the wrestling website about jungle and now he's completing the uh the trifecta by doing a podcast about jungle <laughs> kiona as well uh but i've seen a handful of her stuff but um yeah i'm not that well versed in jungle kiona at all so i'm giving mm. myself a free uh but that's why trent's here he's our enthusiast yesterday He's the Jungle Kiona expert, uh, and I'm going to kick things off by asking you the question I always do, Trent. Who is Jungle Kiona? Look, I'm going to make this one nice and simple for you. I'm going to speak in a language you do understand, New Japanese. Um, what I want you to do is to picture Tomohiro Ishii with long hair. That's Jungle uh... Kiona. <laughs> <laughs> Flowing I'm, I'm a... locks. Yeah, I'm, I'm visualizing <laughs> horror right now. It's actually a very scary image. I haven't actually tried to visualize it until I said it just then. But that should give you an idea of the style and also the position that Jungle Kiona 
I'd like to say holds, but held in stardom throughout her years there. She was the perennial gatekeeper. She was the person you would send out there if you wanted to see how good someone actually was in the ring. Because she could have a good match with anyone. You know, the classic, you know, have a good match with a broom to see how good someone is. That's the kind of person she was. Whenever there was a rookie or someone that was looking to go to the next level, you would send them out to the ring with Jungle Kiona, and she would get the best possible match out of that person at that level that she was in. Now, did she go on and win lots and lots of single titles? She did, and then I would wake up, and the reality was that she didn't win a single singles title <laughs> while in stardom. Much like Tomohiro Ishii, she had her chances. She got shots at the championship. She was a good person to send out there to make the champions look good but she never actually held the gold herself. Oh, she, she didn't win a single singles title. Um, nope, not a single one. The closest thing she came to uh, individual accolades was the Rookie of Stardom Award that was handed out at the sort of, they had every year they would have a different sort of rule for the Rookie of the Year, depending on how many people they had. They might have one match, they might have a tournament. She beat Momo Watanabe in the Rookie of Stardom match. Uh, which she then won, and she won that in like two within two months of her debut. So it gives you kind of an idea of where it was at. That's the only singles accolade she has ever held. So you saying that she's like Tomohiro Ishii? Is it just in terms of her status, right? Like you know, or does that relate to everything else? Like is her character Tomohiro Ishii-esque? Is she very stout and you know unwavering and you know constantly looks like she wants to yes. murder everyone? <laughs> Uh, unwavering yes but instead of being sort of stoic she was especially in her earlier years she was a very outgoing excitable vibrant character um where the main other comparison would come in is in terms of just general wrestling style um she was a little bit of a she was a strong wrestler she was one of the strongest members on the roster so she was a bit of a bruiser type hit some big sort of impact moves like one of her main moves was like a spinning sit-out powerbomb which she would deadlift people from the gut wrench position uh sort of just high impact stuff uh and just that kind of that unwavering underdog even though like you might be the stronger physically wrestler in the match because she never quite reached that top level, because she never really won the individual accolades, she had that underdog spirit that Tomohiro Ishii kind of instills in his fan base. That even though, like, yeah, he could go, go throw you all over the ring, knock you out with a headbutt, you kind of know he's still the underdog, no matter who he was facing in that high-pressure situation. And that was where Jungle's position was in stardom as well. That gatekeeper role, that bridesmaid, the kind of step before the final boss in many respects. Well, one thing I did think I knew about Jungle, and I wasn't sure how to word it, to be quite frank, but you talking about Horohiro <laughs> Ishii, is that, because it feels weird to say about a Joshi wrestler, is that, uh, and, you know, maybe I've, I've stuck my foot in it saying something stupid like that, but she seemed like she was kind of a beefy wrestler. Like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you, you've got Biggie saying he wants big, beefy, big, beefy men slapping meat. Um, big, meaty men slapping meat, even. Um, she kind of gave me that vibe when from the matches I've seen, like she'd hit a big lariat and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, she'd be hoisting people up and frying them around. Uh, and it's not something in, that I can say I've seen much in the Joshi landscape. I'm sure there are others, but um, yeah, it's certainly not in stardom, I don't think. I'd say she was certainly the, the beefy fighter for stardom. Yeah, that was definitely her role in stardom. And really, like, when you're talking about, I guess, beef, or if you wanted to, the other word that gets thrown around a lot is hoss. 
she was the quintessential stardom hoss wrestler for pretty much her entire career. Just as the very end of her run in stardom, you would see a few other wrestlers come in. Utami Hayashishida wrestles a little bit like that. You've got Himika who wrestles that role. Mirai, although she doesn't have the pure like physical beef that they do, she wrestles a very bruising, beefy style as well. Those kind of wrestlers have come in, but until they came through, Jungle was really only full-time member on the roster that filled that role. Everyone else was, I guess you would say, the more prototypical idol style, whether not necessarily purely in appearance, because you've got wrestlers like Kagetsu, um, but, you know, slimmer, more petite style, maybe have a bit of muscle on them, but it was more of a lean physique. Whereas uh, Jungle Kiona was a little bit, you know, stocky is not the right word, but she wasn't a slim wrestler. But she was built well for that kind of bruising style that she really accentuated. What is Jungle's story like when it came to getting into stardom? Because, you know, <laughs> most guys, and it's a thing in Japanese wrestling in general, is they'll start with the promotion in some shape or form as a rookie, as a young lion, as whatever you want to label you want to put on it, and work their way up. But was that the story with Jungle? Was she into wrestling before? Did she move to stardom? What's the story there? So she was a stardom lifer. Um, she got into wrestling through stardom. She spent three months training before she made her debut. Uh, so she found stardom in July after she came back from what basically formed her character. Uh, she spent time in Senegal, which I'm sure we'll get around to talking to. But she came back to Japan. She found stardom in July. It was the first time she really saw wrestling. She signed up to train with them in August, made her debut in November, and then won the Rookie of Stardom Award in December. So that gives you kind of an idea of how quick the turnaround was from her probably not really having a clue about pro wrestling to being involved and being a part of the system. She was in stardom right through to realistically, I guess you'd say 2020 is when she disappeared from stardom, but she didn't officially leave stardom until 2021 at the very end of there. Um, but yeah, through that period, she was stardom life. That's how she got into pro wrestling. And that's like outside of making the odd appearance. Like she did one or two shows with Gatto Move, for example. Um, but really she was pure stardom through her wrestling career up until when she left. All right. You've mentioned a few things that I want to touch on, but first of all, like you just casually dropped the fact that she went to Senegal. Like that's not yes. a place I, or anyone would associate with pro wrestling. Certainly not for Japanese wrestlers. That's not a a place that's high on the excursion list. What? Why did she go to Senegal? Well, that was before she knew about wrestling. So to give you a bit of backstory, um, she's from Nagoya. She went into university and she trained to be basically a teacher. Um, she was at Chukyo University. Then she signed up and joined JOCV, which is the acronym for Japan Overseas Cooperation Volunteers. And she went over to Senegal for two years and basically served as a physical education teacher and support worker through there. Um, there are photos of her time over there, one which I will send you, which is just quintessential badass Jungle Kiona. Uh, there's also a video on YouTube where she's kind of uh, singing and dancing with some of her, I guess you would say, students. It was kind of just part of the program that they would share through. And yeah, she spent two years over there. She absolutely came to love Senegal. It came to inspire, obviously, her character. Like, the name Jungle Kiona comes from having spent time in Senegal. A lot of her early gear was red, green, and yellow inspired, which is the Senegalese flag. Um, and she continued to carry on that love for Senegal through the early parts of her wrestling career and just life in general. 
Uh, I mean, that's absolutely crazy. But I, I, I also love like, isn't it always the big mean guys that are secretly the sweethearts? You know, like Tomohiro Ishii, the stoic guy in the ring, and then there'll be clips of him at Hello Kitty Land with Toriano having the time of his life. <laughs> uh, and then you've got Jungle Kiona, who's the host, the bruiser, the beefy person for Stardom, uh, who volunteered in Senegal for a couple of years. Just like you know, like, that's that's an incredible thing that you know it's just something to be so proud of that's really cool i I had no idea yeah and look uh, that kind of uh character outside of the ring would continue through behind the scenes with stardom because a lot of wrestlers would kind of refer to her as kind of being the mother of the group and that's in part because like again a lot of the wrestlers came through quite young they would train as teenagers and stuff jungle counter didn't join wrestling and didn't become a wrestler until she was 24 which obviously is not old uh, i feel old saying oh 24 is late to be joining wrestling because you got guys the, like ddp who yeah, joined in when the he was world 35. of in the world of joshi it is exactly um, yeah, quite old, yeah age is a little bit more i guess you'd say valuable in joshi and women's wrestling uh so to join at 24 is a little bit on the older scale um, but yeah, she served as a little bit of a mother figure within stardom. Uh, she herself has identified that in the Vice documentary when they're in the wrestlers, they did an episode on stardom and they talked to Jungle a little bit and they can't, she kind of says, oh yeah, I serve as a little bit of the mother within the group. So it always has felt like she had that little bit of a caring factor to her, um, which would also at least partially explain the, the trip to Senegal. I do think part of it was not truly knowing what she wanted to do. She wasn't quite as much of a runaway as Mayu Iwatani, where she just kind of abandoned her family and ran to Tokyo to become a wrestler. But she was a little bit of a runaway because um, she was from a divorced household. Uh, it seems like she's made up definitely with her father because she has he has been in the audience for some of his, her matches in Nagoya. But there was a time where she wasn't really connected at all with her family. And I do think maybe that volunteering in Senegal was a chance for her to just kind of get away from the issues that she was feeling in Japan, just kind of start afresh, start anew, and just try something completely different. But, I mean, if you're going to volunteer in a country for two years, it's got to be more than just kind of running away from problems, I think. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's experience in the world, but doing it in the best possible way, something that we all mm. wish we could do, but very very few have the courage to actually do. So, no, prop, big props to Jungle Kiona for that. But getting back into the ring, into stardom, of course, because that's, you know, practically the only place she's wrestled. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I know she is uh, going to be touring or is touring the, the, the States, but um, what is the story in stardom? Um, you know, factions are a big part of stardom uh, that I pretend that I know about. Uh, but what <laughs> what faction was Jungle part of in Stardom? Did she move around or? So yes and no. When she first, like during the early years of her career, the stable faction system in Stardom was nowhere near as heavy as it is now. You really just had Oedo Tai as the main force and then you'd have people team up and they'd have team names, but you didn't get a lot of pure factions. In 2017, she created what I would call a pseudo-stable, which was called Team Jungle, alongside Hiroya Matsumoto, Kaori Yoniyama, and Natsuko Tora. They, as a group, kind of, they, they would work together. As I said, they were Team Jungle. But it wasn't like, when you look at Stardom in 2022, everyone has a clearly defined faction with a look, with an aesthetic, and just a personality. That wasn't the case back then. It's a very, group, very creative name there, Team Jungle. Oh, yeah. It's, um... 
really testing themselves to come up creatively with their it did evolve in 2018 they had the stardom draft which is really the first mark where you would see the modern stardom faction system come through and there were three groups that were being either formed or kind of re represented in this draft you had a wet tie uh, the newish Queen's Quest led by Io Shirai and the Stardom Army led by Mayu Iwatani. Now they went through the whole draft and at the end of it, there was a few wrestlers that didn't get picked. They didn't get drafted. Everyone kind of said, I'm happy with my group. Oh. All three members of Team Jungle at that time, because Hiroyu Matsumoto was not there regularly. She'd kind of face herself out. Jungle Kiona, Natsu Katora and Kaira Yanayama did not get picked by any of the groups. Oh, no. And I had, like, you know, film vibes where, like, the kids don't get picked for dodgeball in school and they're, like, you know, they're the last ones and they have to get picked and, you know, no one wants yeah. to pick them. But in this case, they didn't even get picked. They didn't get picked. And Maya Watani said, oh, look, if you want, you can join our team. Like, the more the merrier, you oh, know, that kind of thing. Good guy, Maya. And Jungle basically called her out and said, you know, she's looking at who had been selected for stardom and more specifically, like, the later picks because... Starlight Kid, Tam Nakano got picked, which, you know, that makes sense. They're talented wrestlers, high upside. But then there was people like uh, Shiki Shibasawa and uh, Natsumi, who, no offense to them, but they're not that high on the pecking order. They weren't highly rated or anything. They got picked over these wrestlers. And Jungle basically said, you're building an idol group. You didn't pick us because we don't fit the mold, because we're quote unquote not quote unquote not pretty enough to join that kind of faction. Base didn't stick up the middle finger, but Bale basically did and said, I'm gonna go form my own faction with blackjack and hookers. You know what? Forget the blackjack and hookers. And they went from Team Jungle to Jungle Assault Nation, which got shortened down to Jan, which not quite as creative, but a step forward than Team Jungle. I don't know. I, was... I like that name. Yeah, just let, let, don't ever abbreviate it. <laughs> yeah, Jungle Assault Nation sounds cool. They had like a parrot. It was a pretty cool logo, like a parrot logo, which suited the mold. And that was a faction for precisely one year. Lasted a long, long time. Um, basically, they went from Jungle Assault Nation. In a year's time, they ran another draft. Hanukomura had basically come back and said, you know, I want a faction of my own. So they had an elimination tournament. Only four factions would survive. The, whoever got eliminated last, um, you know, who, whoever lost, lost in this match, they, they would not lead a faction. And unfortunately, final two was Hanukomura and Jungle Kiona. Hanukomura eliminated Jungle Kiona. Jungle Assault Nation was no more. Only lasted a year. Hanukomura uh, formed Tokyo Cyber Squad. And as you can probably start to piece the pieces together, if you know Jungle's career at all, uh, she, she selected Jungle Kiona first with her draft, and that's sort of what happened next in her career. So she went from leading a pseudo-stable, leading, if we're being honest, the weakest stable uh, in Jungle Assault Nation. They didn't have the firepower to compete with the other three factions, and then ended up being second in command to the hottest faction at the time, Tokyo Cyber Squad. So I know you mentioned uh, uh, she hasn't won any single accolades, but I know for a mm -hmm. fact she's definitely at least won the tag titles, the goddesses of stardom, because I've gifted that shit for on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Your I area of expertise. I can't exactly. I can't remember who it was with her partner, but I'm sure she's she's won the tag titles at least once, right? 
Uh, she's won it three times, each time with a different member. And she's also won the, the Artist Championships, which, if you don't know Stardom, is the Trio's title. She's won that three times as well. So she, yeah, I, I suppose it fits the mould of the Tomohiro Ishii thing, even though he's, like, <laughs> held the never title more than anyone else. Yeah, like, mm. kind of kind of fills, fills yeah, she, the gaps she, when she's needed. not a tag specialist um in the sense that like she's not a wrestler who like ftr for example like you know them purely for their tag work you kind of can't have one without the other but within especially the stardom system she's as close to a tag specialist as you really could get so to come a bit more up to the present day then i know she got mm-hmm. she got injured uh, and she was out for a very long time and then yes during while she was on that hiatus because of injury, it was announced that she was leaving stardom, right? Yeah. So to give you a little bit of backstory through 2020, just after the pandemic hit, that stardom came back. And then a couple of months later, uh, she wrestled what was essentially her last stretch of matches in October, 2020, she left, uh, she, uh, announced that she was going to have to take time off to heal from, let's put it simply every kind of injury you could imagine from she needed two or three different surgeries both her knees were shot she had acl uh issues she had mcl issues she had shoulder issues and like to the point where she couldn't have all the surgeries at once because she had to heal from one surgery before she could have the next one because like she needed to be on crutches for her acl injury so she couldn't have her shoulder fixed because she needed the shoulder okay enough to use crutches she was just kind of, you know, held together with sticks and stones and glue. And to make matters worse, one of the surgeries either was botched or didn't take. And then so she had to go back under knife a second time, which just further delayed everything. Now, during this time, uh, she joined an advertising agency, started working there. That kind of gave a lot of people an idea that, oh, maybe her long-term wrestling career isn't what we were hoping it would be. A few months after that, it it was announced that she was leaving stardom. Now, we don't know the full story. We don't know whether you know, there was an issue there. From my understanding, from what I've been able to piece together, there's no hard feelings between Rossi, Stardom, and Jungle Kiona. It was Stardom who helped get her the advertising job in the first place, and she's acknowledged that. But the impression I got was I think she realised that Stardom in 2021, 2022 didn't really have a spot for uh, older, part-time, coming back from 50 major injuries, Jungle Kiona, quite like there was a position for her a few years back. And probably also realised, look, I've gone as far as I'm going to be able to go in stardom. What are my options outside of there? That's what and I was going to... That's what I was going to ask, because, yeah, I know it's not public knowledge. Most of the time when people leave a promotion, mm. it's not public knowledge. Uh I was going to ask why you think she left Stardom, but you kind of just uh, alluded to it there as well. Do you think she had a ceiling there because she was seen as this gatekeeper as she was only ever a challenger to make others look good? And that, yeah, she was never really as much as as good as she was, as much as you she is your favorite wrestler, that she was probably never going to get a a singles title win. Look, I, I do feel like the ceiling was what she had already accomplished for a couple of reasons. Uh, she has a very strong and passionate fan base, but I think also like Ishii uh, with New Japan, I think that fan base is arguably stronger in the West yep. comparative to that domestic support. 
So like if Stardom was a purely global brand, I think in 2018, 2019, even 2020, Jungle Kiona would have been maybe looked upon more favorably globally. But for a product like Stardom, who, yeah, they're expanding globally, but the focus is first and foremost still to the domestic market. She didn't have that same just pure uh, passionate fan base to the level that she does globally comparatively. So there was always going to be that limit. And I think, look, as good as she was in the ring, she didn't necessarily have the look that Stardom was typically pushing with their champions. Um, yeah, most of their champions do fit a certain mold and look, and that's not to taking away from their skill or ability inside the ring or in general wrestling, but they fit more of that idol feel in one way or another. Um, and I think that's still going to be the focus. And in 2022 and 2021, 20, uh, when she left, the it's just so much deeper if she wasn't getting pushed in 2018 2019 when her competition was Mayu Watani, Momo Watanabe, Konami, um, that kind of crew now she's also got to contend with pretty much all of those people along with Julia, Utami Hayashida, Tam Nakano's come through, Shuri, all these other wrestlers coming through like Mirai, Asaya Kamatani like the the talent pool in stardom is that much deeper on an upper level that if she wasn't breaking through a couple of years ago, especially with the injury history she now has, especially because she's probably not going to be wrestling for as long or committed full time, there was no way she was going to get any real push now. So I think the writing was on the wall for her and she realizes there's a, there's a world beyond stardom for Joshi wrestling. Yeah, I mean, she's made that abundantly clear because this, this <laughs> you, you know, she's announced she's going to America and then all these independent promotion matches started popping up. By the time this releases, something might have even happened. Uh, but yeah, she's she's seemingly just going to go to USA and take the take the states by storm, like others have uh, before her. Um, she's clearly she's going on like, you know, Minoru Suzuki seems to just do it once a year, where he goes on this American tour and he has all these big opponents and stuff and jungle kiona is seemingly doing the same thing but you kind of think that can only last so long probably uh you know yeah look i i don't think she's going to be the type to wrestle into her 40s um i i do think this is we're in the latest parts of her career now and the injury history i think is definitely probably the primary reason um because the injury she's coming back from, it slows anyone down astronomically. We haven't seen a fully fit Jungle Kiona wrestle since then. She's had one match since all of the injuries. That was in uh, May or April. I'm having a shocking memory here. For the Hana Kimura Memorial Show, um, she wrestled Kyoko Kimura in a, just a five-minute exhibition match. And it was a fun match. They did well. But you could tell they were being very protective of both wrestlers. And it was very clear, like, when you look at the timeline with her knee surgeries, you could make an argument she probably shouldn't have been wrestling in that show. It was still too soon after the recovery. On her fan club, she was mentioning, like, you know, the, the injury recovery hasn't gone as well as she'd hoped for. If it was any other type of show, I don't think she would have wrestled. But because it was for Hannah's memorial show and how important Hannah Kimura was to her as a friend, I think she basically, she'd made the decision... I don't care what condition I'm in, I'm wrestling this match. Which is why I think now, like six, seven months after that match, is when we're starting to see her come back into wrestling. She's doing the American tour. She's over between September and November, doing a whole bunch of dates. And she's also lined up with the Japanese freelance group Nomads, 
she rocked up at their last show at the end of the event and confronted Rina Yamashita and basically has announced, I want to be a part of your group. So she will still be wrestling. She's going to uh, go to America for a couple of months, then most likely come back to Japan. Uh, she's still got her advertising job, but she's taking time away from that. But I would say, yeah, we're not going to see her wrestling in 10 years' time, I don't think, unless, yeah, who knows? I don't want to speak for her, but I, I feel like this is kind of a finishing up run for her, and she's a part-time wrestler now. I didn't know that she was going to be competing in Nomads. That's quite interesting, because then, yeah, she kind of does have a home promotion back in Japan, uh, which... And it makes a lot of sense, because Nomads is a freelance group. It's It feels very free. It feels very open. Come and go as you please. She also has a connection with Natsu Samir, who used to be in Stardom, working as a freelancer, but she was there full-time, basically. She's involved with Nomads. She left Stardom basically the exact same day the Jungle Kyona news dropped that she was leaving Stardom. Natsu's profile on Stardom was taken off the, the main page. So she has that connection there. And just a lot of the wrestlers involved in that, they feel like Jungle Kyona wrestlers. So Nomads is the perfect group for Jungle to be joining up with. A lot of them do also have American aspirations, so I could see her coming over a second time with, like, Miyuka Takase, for example. That would make a lot of sense. Rina Yamashita's doing shows with GCW. So if any kind of freelance group in Japan was going to do any kind of American stuff, Nomads is the group, so it makes a lot of sense there. So let's talk opponents for Jungle Kona and start off with mm -hmm. opponents she's actually wrestled. Um, who are <laughs> her best opponents in stardom? Who, you know, uh, when you know you get Shingo and Osprey in the ring, they're going to put on a banger. Uh, who is that mm -hmm. for Jungle Kona? So there's really three wrestlers I would list, and I'm going to go in order of in-ring excitement. The first one is probably the one most people think of in terms of the connection, and that is uh, Momo Watanabe. They came up at the exact same time they competed in the Rookies Tournament. They formed a, a tag team called JK Green with about five E's in the green aspect. <laughs> and a, then when a, Momo... Like a, uh, I don't know if it's a company, but there's something like One Piece Thunder, the anime and manga. They had like some green yeah. collaboration. So I don't know if there's more... To, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it's about, but I'm sure it was a collaboration of some kind with some other company. It could very well be connected like that. We know we know of wrestlers who like One Piece. Well, you mentioned one of them already, Minoru Suzuki. Um, but yeah, they formed a tag team. And then when Momo went and joined Queen's Quest, uh, the group which were kind of heelish and upstarty, that kind of then turned it from friendship into opposition. They've had matches which... Look, obviously Dave Meltzer's paying attention to stardom now, um, but he, the uh, talk between the Momo Watanabe Jungle Kyoto match from, what date was it, uh, March 3rd, 2019, there was such a buzz and so much hype from that match that Dave Meltzer reviewed it when he didn't really look at stardom and he gave it a 4.5, which at the time was as bad as far as he would give uh, stardom and Joshi wrestling ratings. Um, which gives you an idea of just how good that kind of match was. They That's the best opponent Jungle had. You've then also got to look at Utami Hayashishita because when Utami joined Stardom, her very first match was against Jungle Kiona in a 15-minute match. And it went to a draw, which, especially at the time, for someone starting in wrestling, debuting in wrestling, to come in and go to a draw with, okay, now Jungle wasn't a main event championship person, 
but she was very highly respected. She was in that upper mid-card, lower main event echelon. Utami came in and went to a draw with her in the very first match. That instantly established who Utami was. She was a fellow power wrestler. She announced she wanted to be Stardom's top power wrestler, which obviously came against odds with Jungle Kiana, who was the resident bruiser and power wrestler. And although their careers don't line up super lengthy, that was a very hot feud for that entire period and was, I think, very integral in establishing Utami early as the kind of wrestler she was. And then finally, you've also got to make mention of Natsuka Tora, who was in the uh, jung Team Jungle, then Jungle Assault Nation. They split up when uh, JAN fell apart. Uh, Natsuka Tora went to Oedo Tai, became, if we're being honest, a bit of a bitch. And she was a big part of what ended Tokyo Cyber Squad. It was Oedo Tai that ended that faction when they drew Konami over to the dark side and she cracked the chair over Jungle's Kiona head. That was the final opponent, basically, for Jungle in stardom. The matches between them weren't quite as good as the others, but you do have to pay mention to that feud, just on kind of a storytelling and personal level. So what about dream opponents then? Because Jungle Kiona is going on this US tour She'll be back in Japan with Nomads. We might get a Jungle Kiona World Tour. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, you know, who are the dream, your dream opponents, Trent, for Jungle Kiona? Look, her coming out and basically talking crap to Rene Yamashita, right away that's a really exciting match because that is power and just lariat specials versus power and lariat specials. Those two, when they do face off, it's going to be fantastic. Cannot wait for that. I'd also love to see her face uh, Asuka, a.k.a. Benny, which is very possible because she's worked with Nomads as well. Uh, so that's very likely as well. Continuing the, the Nomads theme, uh, Takase would be fantastic. Of the Stardom crew, because that bridge maybe hasn't been burnt, I could see her coming back maybe at some point for a match or two. I would actually love to see her face Mirai because, again, she's another wrestler. She's not... Overly tall, same with Jungle, but she's pure hoss power and has probably the best Lariat in stardom outside of Himika, and that would just be a fantastic kind of passing of the torch moment as well. How disappointed are you considering stardom and New Japan have announced a crossover show and we're not going to get Jungle Kiona either facing or teaming up with Tomohiro Ishii? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it would be wonderful for the content and just the pure. I told you they were the same person, um, but given like has, this time, has last Jungle Kiona and Tomohiro Ishii ever been seen at the same place at the same time? Ah, that's a good question. I don't think so. Although, funnily enough, Jungle Kiona and uh, Toru Yanu are quite close and friendly. Uh, they did quite a few streams together during the initial pandemic lockdowns, and you'd see wrestlers doing Zoom streams and stuff. They did a few bits and pieces together. We know Yano and Ishii are friends, so you might be onto something there. <laughs> no, it does sound quite... Get Ishii a long-haired wig, and we might have an idea. It, do, it does seem like that would have been the, the perfect combination for the, the stardom crossover show with New Japan, uh, New Japan having Jungle team up with Ishii. It seems a lost opportunity there. Oh, the, the memeing would have been next level off the charts. But given a year ago, it looked like she might not have been wrestling at all again. I'm just happy to say that Jungle Kiana is back in the ring. So I've got the one question that I always end things with, uh, and I'm sure you know what it is, Trent. But before I do, is there anything <laughs> else about Jungle Kiana that we haven't touched on that you want to bring up? So the one thing I do want to bring up, just to give people an idea of 
I, I, yeah, I mentioned some of the moves she does, but the one move you've got to look up is the Jungle Buster. Now, you're a cultured man. You know about the Muscle Buster that Samoa Joe does, correct? Yes? Of course, yeah. Yes. Have you ever seen the anime Kinaku Man? No. What, so what, I, is that, does That's it a wrestling... An, does it have an English It's a pro wrestling anime. Uh, I think there's subs and stuff. I have not watched it myself. But there's a particular move in that show called the Kinaku Buster, which is the Muscle Buster, but instead of kind of falling backwards onto the back and the shoulders he the the wrestler just kind of drops to their butt and it's basically the the opponent lands as they're situated so it's a neck bump on the shoulder of the attacking person it's an absolutely brutal chaotic looking move and kind of the muscle buster turned up to 10 that was jungle kiona's finisher towards the end of her career and if you watch any jungle stuff Watch for the finisher because it's absolutely brutal. And it's one of those moves you watch and you just kind of dumbfounded thinking, how are they doing that without like not destroying their necks? Because it doesn't look possible. They just kind of necks crash up against Jungle's uh, shoulder as she drops. That's the, sec and, that's the yeah. secret to Japanese wrestling trend. They are destroying their necks. Look, they either they are destroying their necks or they just don't have necks, which obviously Ishii doesn't have a neck. And Maya Iwatani seems set out to prove that her neck is invulnerable. So there's some weird middle ground, and Jungle Kiona was looking to test that in the unfortunate opponents that she faced. Right, last question then. Uh, the, if you had to suggest one match to listeners of the podcast to check out that really captures who Jungle Kiona is, shows who her character is, how great she is, what match would you suggest? And as you know, as everyone else knows, this rule is not steadfast. If you want to <laughs> recommend more than one match, feel free. Yeah, look, I mean, I've kind of already mentioned the purely best match of her career, which is March 3rd, 2019, the Wonder of Stardom title match between her and Momo Watanabe. It's situated in Nagoya, which is another side effect of Nagoya is the venue for Jungle Kiona. That's where she grew up with. That's her hometown. And every time Stardom went to Nagoya, Jungle Kiona was in a big match there, either losing in a singles title match or maybe winning when it came to a tag team match. But they always made a point to give Jungle Kiona a high-profile match at that show. So really any Nagoya match for Jungle Kiona, that one specifically is a much watch. The other two I would say go out of your way to check out is versus Arisa Hoshiki for the Wonder of Stardom Championship on August 10th. 2019 and then for the world of stardom championship the top title january 14 2019 versus kagetsu who obviously now is you ishino right there you go guys you got matches to check out uh at the top of the podcast i gave myself a three out of ten uh trent has since privately messaged me and said we are no longer friends um but now i'm gonna bump i understand jungle doesn't have the spread this is why I'm here, to spread the jungle love. Uh, I'm now, that sounds like uh, STD of some kind. Um, I'm going to give my... Think of it as you will. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to bump that number up from a three to a seven after listening Ooh. and uh, being taught by Trent. Um, you know, the thing straight off the bat was just imagine Ishii with long hair whilst a horrifying visual. It does work. Um, and that she... <laughs> That's where the STD comes from. Jesus Christ. Uh, she's got no <laughs> no single title wins, but it does have tag title wins and uh, the trios title. And she that has that gatekeeper feel to her. She's the host, the bruiser of the stardom division when she was there. Uh, 
perhaps the most interesting piece was that she uh, volunteered in Senegal for a few years. Um, mm -hmm. It's where she gets her name from, and she uh, implemented the the country's flag colors into her wrestling gear. Mm -hmm. um, she created Team Jungle, which formed into Jungle Assault Nation, which sounds much better as long as you don't call it Jam. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, she did suffer her injury, um, and then she made her return at the Hanakamura Memorial Show. Uh, she's now part of Nomads, but she's going to be tearing things up in the United States. Uh, best opponents, Momo Watanabe, Utami Hayashishita. Uh, it might be the first time I've said that out loud, and I think I nailed it. Um, you did, man. Well done. And Natsu Katora. Uh, yeah, and of course, uh, I've seen the move before, but definitely check it out. The Jungle Buster, uh, Muscle Buster turned up to 10, just destroying next since probably 2015. Uh, well, no, I don't know when <laughs> she started using it, but um, more 2018, 2019, but yeah, but yeah, no, uh, you know, I could rattle all that off shows I was paying attention for a start, which is always good. Um, and I, it's I, good to know that the host is actually listening to what the guest has to say, so thank you. Well, please be sure to follow Trent on Twitter at One Up Culture to see what he has to say. Uh, he doesn't clog up your feed. It's all stardom. It's all joshi. It's all good content as well. Uh, and check out the Ocean Cyclone show, which drops every month. It's part of the Wrestling Network. So wherever you are listening to this episode of Noob Japan, you can also check out the Ocean Cyclone show. Uh, this podcast is part of the Wrestle In Network, along with Flight of Five, the Ocean Cyclone show, Puro Vision, and the Patreon-exclusive podcast, Into the Wrestleverse, available at patreon.com slash wrestlein. You can sign up for just $1. Uh, Trent, thanks for joining me, as always. I'm sure you'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, whenever there's a Joshi wrestler that needs to be talked about, turn on the Joshi signal, and I'll be there like Batman. Well, uh, yeah, I need to figure out what, what what would the logo be? You put a bat up into the sky for Batman. What do we put up in the sky for Trent? Oh, probably necks getting broken since it's Joshi. <laughs> that sounded so grim. Uh, if you enjoyed this or any other other podcast, then please rate, subscribe, and review. If you have a wrestler you want me to cover on the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at KieranRH93. That was Noob Japan. We are wrestling, and now we're out.